The Creek Church is a community of believers located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you would like more information about the Creek Church, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Well, good morning. How are we doing? Did you have a good week? Yeah? Up, down? Been kind of one of those weeks around my house. I don't know. I'm Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, I'm glad you're here. Um, I think there's probably a lot of you that normally come to the second service that are at the first service because I think there's a ball game on some point today. Um, We'll see what the second service looks like. We'll see how many Cowboys fans there really are around here. I am a fan of the DVR. I can do a football game in about an hour, which is awesome. Uh, There's only a few football games that I will watch in their entirety, and last night was one of those. And I think I lost years off of my life in the stress of some of those games yesterday. But uh, Giga Maggies. Um, Anyway, (laughs) uh, I am Pastor Matt. If this is your first time here, like Pastor Trinity said, if you'd fill out one of those uh, guest cards, we'd love to get in contact with you. Uh, Just share a little bit about who we are, answer any questions. I know when you're visiting and looking for a church, that's an overwhelming task, and uh, we want to help you in that and uh, be a partner in that. So if the creek isn't the church for you, we want to help you find where God is wanting you to plug in because that's most important, that all of uh, God's people are plugged into a body and they are serving and they're engaging in the gifts and the talents that God has given them and that body begins to thrive. And I'm so grateful that, that... that God is calling our body to thrive, and it's been an incredible ride, an incredible journey. So if you've got your Bibles today, let's go to Romans chapter 12. We're going to finish this up. If you don't have a Bible, we have some on the back tables for you. If you don't own one, write your name in it. That's our gift to you. And then if you've got the smartphone, smart device, we uh, use an app. We link up with an app called Version, and you can find our information in there. There's scripture. There's all different types of translations of scripture in there. And um, you can follow along with that. I really want you to have a Bible and be able to read along so that I'm not the one feeding you everything. And so uh, I think it's important. If you've got your own um, Bible, you can write in the notes, write in the margins, highlight. And uh, it's interesting when you come back to things, you start to see where God was dealing with you on certain issues. And and you really start to track and see some spiritual progress. And... um, That is an exciting thing. So Romans 12, we're continuing this idea of the righteous life and Paul's application. Really from Romans 1 to 11, Paul is giving a lot of information, a lot of doctrinal foundations. He is is giving us some history of Israel. He's talking about God's sovereignty in that, talking about how we uh, are not righteous. There is none righteous and that is only through Jesus who was born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life, died on a cross, and was resurrected on the third day that we can be called the righteousness of God. And when we enter into a relationship with him and that transformation happens internally, then we become a new creation and the Holy Spirit then moves in and then we are to depend on and rely on the Holy Spirit daily to do everything in our lives to lead us into a process called sanctification or maturity. And uh, Paul is really given some great instructions. Now today... Paul is kind of, he's been talking through and there's a linear track in Romans 12 for the application that Paul's given. And, and for you type A's, this is your day. God gives you a list today. And so, so many of you are like, praise God, a list. You, th- you know what I'm talking about. If you're not a type A, don't worry about it. If you're a type A, that just, that just pings your radar. And you're like, get the pen ready. And you just start to give me the list. Give me the list. Well, let me, let me also help you here that there is no way your flesh can keep this list. 
It's just like the Ten Commandments. There's no way that any of us have the ability or the strength of our flesh, of ourselves, to be able to keep the Ten Commandments. We're all guilty of breaking every one of them. And if you, if you need help justifying, well, yes, I haven't broken this one. Come talk to me after service. I'll tell you, and I'll tell you, me too. Okay, we're all sinners, and we all need a Savior, and we have all fallen short of the glory of God, and we all struggle with keeping lists and commands, and so it takes something bigger than us. It takes us living by the power of the Spirit. And this is, getting, this is where Paul tangibly brings in what we learned in Romans 8 about walking in the Spirit. The only way we can keep these commands is to walk in the Spirit. The only way we can do what we're getting ready to see Paul give us a list about is to have the fullness of the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. And this this process of the application that Paul starts to work us through is that he begins verse 12 where we're a living sacrifice, that we are to offer ourselves to God. Say, God, here I am. Use me. Save me. And use me in the way that you desire most for your kingdom. And then when that happens, God gives us these grace gifts. And he gives us these gifts in order to build up the body. And so we engage with that. And then he talks about unity. That unity has to exist in the body. And then today he's going to talk about love marking everything we do. There's a beautiful parallel to 1 Corinthians 13 with what we're talking about today. If you don't know 1 Corinthians 13, it's the love chapter. If you've been to any wedding, you hear the love chapter given at a wedding. And and I do it. It's a beautiful, beautiful chapter, beautiful passage about love, what love is, what love does, what love does not do. And we, we use that in all different contexts, but let me give you the scriptural context of that love passage where it's perfectly set. In 1 Corinthians 12, see, there's, there's also a tract that Paul has given to the Corinthian church. He's writing this letter to the church in Rome, but there is a track that he begins to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. And then he talks about the cooperation of the body. And then in 1 Corinthians 13, he gets into the love chapter and what he's helping them understand and helping us understand is that we can be saved, we can be a part of the body of Christ, we can have these gifts that God desires us to use for building up the kingdom, but if we miss love, we've missed the whole point. And then I love how Paul then goes into 14, 1 Corinthians 14, where he talks about order and, and that we don't use these for ourselves and it's not for our maturity, but there's an order and God is a God of order. And then in 1 Corinthians 15, the beginning of that, he says, but I don't want you to forget. I know I've talked about grace. I've talked about gifts. I've talked about unity. I've talked about cooperation. I've talked about love but I don't want you to forget the thing that I preach to you as of first importance, and that is the gospel of Jesus who was crucified and resurrected. That all of this wraps up because we're transformed by the gospel. In Romans 1, Paul wrote that it is the, God, the, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe, to the Jew first and then the Gentile. And so this power of God through the gospel, it's good news. It's all motivated by love. Love is the motivation for the gospel, and love is the mission of the gospel. 
that God loves us so much that he desires a relationship. When you look at the life of Jesus, and that is what the gospel centers around, that Jesus is our savior. And his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection is all the good news. Everything about Jesus was and is love. And we see a perfect display of love. And then we're called to operate in this love. In John 13, 35, Jesus told his disciples this. He says, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So Jesus really, this is important to him. This is vital because he understands that it's the motivation and the mission for what he is called to do. Thus, it becomes the motivation and the mission for what we are called to do. That as we love the world around us, and when we love, people begin to see that there's difference between the way we love and the way our flesh has an ability to love. And that marks us as a disciple, as a follower of Jesus by how we love one another. How we love one another is a reflection of how we love God. And so Paul's going to walk us through some of these things about radical love because radical love is transforming love. When the, when the world just sees love, they just see an expression. Radical love is transformational. And if you've put your life in Christ, if you've, if you've trusted him with your past, your present, and your future, then you have been transformed by a love that you have never experienced before. And I like to call it radical love. And it's marked by some things. And Paul's going to just outline this for us beautifully. Uh, Romans 12, we'll start verse 9. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Paul gets us in and says, look, the, the, to have radical love, the first thing is our love must be genuine. I think we, we see too much in our society about a, a false love or this false front of love. The, the NASB translation translates this verse instead of let love be genuine. It says, let your love be without hypocrisy. It's real love. It's the, the principle of a, of a statue. Now, let, let's say you have a statue that um, you break the nose off of. And we come in and we kind of mix up some plaster. I'm, kinda, I'm trying to tell a different story, but I, I don't see my brother, but I'm, so I'm going to tell it. Don't tell him I told you this. We used to play video games a lot, and one day he had, he had this big controller. It was back when it's all small and like 8,000 buttons on it, but we had these big controllers with a joystick and the A and the B and the start and the select. That was, the, that was how we played games back in my day. That was the good old days. I could actually play them. And he got, he got mad, and he chucks this thing across the room, and it sticks into the wall. I'm like, Poof. I mean, it was like a, it was like a ninja star's, Poof. And, and he looks at that, and his face goes pale. And I look at it, and it's like, I got something on you. I'm telling, I'm telling, I'm telling. No, don't tell. Don't. You, if you've got siblings, you know that whole exchange. So I agreed not to tell. I'm sure I took something from him. Um, and, and he began to patch the wall. And he, he did a beautiful job. I mean, he, he used some materials, and he, he just patched it, and this is just beautiful. And the, the key material he used was toothpaste. 
And we fooled our, he fooled our parents for such a long time until one day my father was in his room and they were doing some work and he looked at something on the wall and he just walks over and he goes, stuck his finger right through that. And Andrew's like, I guess I better explain now. <laughs> Love without hypocrisy is not trying to put something false over a hole. It's not trying to put something that doesn't belong so when it finally gets exposed, it gets exposed as a fake. I'm going to have to pay him 20 bucks at lunch, aren't I? Because I didn't get his permission. Uh, you, you might as well get 40 out because I'm going to tell that in the second service too. Because <laughs> that's good. Our love has to be genuine. Without hypocrisy. And we hear this, this idea about love, that love is blind. I don't think that's biblical. Because when I read scripture, here's what I see. That even while I was still a sinner, even caught up in the darkness of who I was, even with all of my faults and, and every righteous deed that I thought was good that Jesus calls filthy rags, that he still sees me in my brokenness and in my miserable state and he loves me. You see, if love was blind, he would ignore my sin but he saw me in my sin and he loves me. And can I tell you that no matter what's going on in your life this morning, that you have a savior who has genuine love for you, who sees everything, who knows the depths of your heart, who knows your wicked ways, who knows all your thoughts. I mean, it, 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 one of the scariest things that I heard a couple weeks ago was when our missionary from Toronto talked about our thought life. And he says, what if there was a trans?" transcription of all of my thoughts for the last 24 hours. You would not read that, especially during some of those games yesterday. That even when Jesus sees that, he still loves. And so for us to cheapen love by saying Jesus is blind, for us to cheapen love by saying I'm blind, no, love sees us and loves us Anyway, I mean, you want an you earthly example of that? You just look at my wife and I. She sees this and somehow she loves it in all of its mess. In all, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a grown man and I still have boy tendencies, you know. I don't know if I'm the only guy that does this, but there's just noises that get stuck in my mind. And I just have to communicate those noises and, you know, and or a song, and I'm trying to do the drums for the song with my mouth. I'll walk around the house, and I'm just, I, we were laying there watching the football game last night, and I had some song stuck in my head, and I'm doing it, I'm acting it out with my mouth, and she's just laying there, and she just puts her hand on my shoulder, like, stop it, honey. Stop it. Not only do I see you and love you, I hear you and still love you. And if you don't think, think your wives are the same way, just, just ask them. To, no, don't ask them. Just don't. Just, just take my word for that. But here's the reality. We will not always get love right. We're called to genuine love, but I'm not, I can't tell you that I'm always going to get it right. But I'm also not excusing the times that I get it wrong. When we, when we fail at this, we have to be quick to repent. We're quick, we're quick to repent to the Lord. And then we have to go to people we've wronged and seek their forgiveness. That's what love starts to do. It starts to bind us that when I let you down and I repent to you and I ask your forgiveness, then love sees my wrong and says, but I love you anyway and I'm going to forgive you. 
And it's this process of sanctification. It's us getting mature in our faith that with genuine love, there are things the Holy Spirit has to do in our life. And there are things that you and I are called to be accountable for. That the Holy Spirit says, I'll do my part, but you have to do yours. I can produce the fruit of love in your life, but you're the one that has to harvest it. You're the one that has to be able to give that to the world around you. You're the one that also has to be able to receive that from other people. So God says, I'll do my part and you do yours. And this change only comes through the Holy Spirit. So our love has to be genuine. Next, Paul gets into the the next section of this. In verse 10, he says, love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Here's your list. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. What Paul is talking about is the love in the church. He's saying that our, our, as followers of Jesus, we have to have a sacrificial love. That there is a love that marks the church, that marks the body of Christ, that marks believers in Jesus, and, and it's, it's a call to sacrificial love. It's this loving each other. It's showing honor to one another. This idea of the, the fervency in spirit, it's keeping that faith flame lit. So when, when we come in to church and we gather, it should be a great time of encouragement that I should be fanning the flames of faith in you and you're doing the same for me and we're doing the same for one another. And we're, 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 for you competitive guys in the crowd, it says outdo one another in showing honor. Well, let me get the door. No, let me get it. I mean, I, I went to Cabela's yesterday and there was, a, there was almost a fight with this guy and on who was going to hold the door. I was like, after you, sir. I mean, he's got his family. I want him to be with his family. Yeah, after you. No, no, after you, after you. No, no, outdo one another in showing honor. Don't make it a competition on who wins. But that's what sacrificial love does. It says, I'm laying down myself for you. I'm sacrificing me as a living sacrifice, as Paul talked about in the first two verses of chapter 12, so that you can be blessed so that you can be built up. We have people in the church that have the gift of hospitality. That gift is used to bless. And they receive blessing when they engage in that gift. These are the lists that that God begins to go through. And, And this contributing to the saints. Who are the saints? You and I are the saints. You and I are called to live sacrificially every day to God and to one another. I mean, this is, this is Acts 2 type community. I mean, this is the, the value of community because we can spur one another on in this. And, and why contribute? In Acts 2, it says to meet the needs of the saints and to add to the saints. In, in Acts 2, after the, the, the day of Pentecost... And the Holy Spirit comes, comes down through the upper room and the gospel was proclaimed in Jerusalem and over 3,000 people were saved. They started to begin communities and form these churches. You start to see the, the local church start to, to be formed and it says that they, they met in the temple. So they, they met together to receive teaching and then they also met in homes and they broke bread together. They spent time together. They loved one another. They sold possessions to help each other with needs. And so there's a sacrificial love that is binding together the first community in Jerusalem that is transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit through the gospel of Jesus Christ. 
And what happens? God says, I met their needs. There were signs and wonders that, that were performed among them. There was great favor with all the people, not just in the church, but outside of this group. And then God says, he added to their number daily those who were being saved. See, when we gather and we contribute to meet the needs of the saints, we take care of each other. And the result of that is we see lives changed, more lives changed. And we're called to have a sacrificial love. In 1 John 3, 16, it says that, tells us Jesus laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. And that's not excluding women. That's, that's, that's the family that Jesus laid his life down for us and we ought to do the same for each other in the body. He goes on to say, if you have the world's uh, deeds, if you have the world's goods, if you have wealth, if you have the ability to meet the needs of those around you, yet closes your heart, how does God's love abide in you? And he says, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. It's by how we engage with one another. And we're called to engage sacrificially with one another. Let's go on. Because it gets tougher. Verse 14. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Can I tell you that we pray that? I pray that every Sunday. That when we all gather, that we rejoice together. And for those who are mourning, that we weep together. And this has been a week where we've seen that. We have families in our community, in our church, that are, are hurting and reeling from deep loss. And this is comforting to me because when I come in and I'm experiencing pain, I'm experiencing loss, I know that there are people that are gonna stand with me. And I know that there are people that aren't gonna try to fix me. They're just gonna say, I love you. And I know this hurts and I'm hurting with you. I mean, thank you. I mean, thank you all this week too for, for the, the, the text and the phone calls and everything about Abby's boyfriend. Those of you who don't know, he was on his way back to Abilene Christian Sunday afternoon in a rainstorm, his truck hydroplane rolled four times and by the grace of God survived. I got to hang out with him last night and he's got a broken leg, broken hand, broken rib, concussion, but he's, he, he's good. And the outpouring of support. And then the celebrations. I mean, there are people who've been seeking jobs this week that found out, I got the job. And so we celebrate with those who celebrate and we hurt with those who hurt because we are the body. When one part hurts, the whole part hurts. When one part celebrates, the whole part celebrates with you. I love that about our relationship with one another. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. 
If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Now, let me tell you on this hot coals thing, because some of you are like, I'm just going to be nice to this person so, so I can heap hot coals over their head. I know, I, I, I'm calling us all out on that, all right? What he's saying is that when you treat an enemy with respect and care and love, then you're going to shock them. And that's like having hot coals poured over their head. And when you feel you've been wronged, it's not yours to, to make it right. God says, I got you. I got you. You see, this love only comes through the Holy Spirit, and it's a supernatural love. Because Jesus talks about this idea of penetrating darkness with love and loving our enemies. I mean, Paul's only building on what Jesus said himself in Luke 6 when he says, but I say to you, love your enemies and do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Jesus has given us instruction that this is radical love. So you're saying that people who hate me, I have to love and people who curse me, I have to love? Yes. And the only way we can do that is through the power of the Holy Spirit. It's a supernatural love that happens. We don't get to discriminate who we love. Now, this is big boy and big girl stuff. Because we get so wrapped up fighting people. Honestly, we've got to step back and we've got to fight the right fight. In Ephesians 6, 12, it says, For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Let me wrap this into supernatural love for you. Our fight is not against people. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against Satan and his demonic forces. And we've got to start fighting the right fight. We've got to start identifying the enemy for who the enemy is. And we've got to start recognizing the ammunition of the enemy. What is the ammunition of Satan and his demons? It's lies. And these lies are are killing people in the church. These lies are killing people in our society. What are some of the lies? Let's Let's just get down dirty honest here. Our culture has bought into lies about people being our enemy. Homosexuals are not your enemy. We are called to love. We are called to share the power of Christ in a supernatural way so that chains are broken. People of different color, people who speak different than you are not your enemies because there are differences externally. They don't create enemies. And the, the enemy wants to lie to you and say that this whole thing about racism is valid. It is not. It's a lie from the enemy. And we as the church have to stand up and say that is a lie. And we're called to love. I'm going to stand on love. I'm going to stand in love. And I'm going to love the people around me because they are the body of Christ. And there's no room for that in the church. There's no room for that in our society. It's time, church, that we stand up and say no more. I'm called to love. I'm never discriminating who I'm loving. And I'm going to get my arms around every person I can because Jesus loves them. And he wants them. <laughs> Y'all making me preach today. Whew. Y'all going to. Mm, we might as well just take up an offering and go. I mean, <laughs> making me preach. Look at that. I showed up to teach. Remember, there is a difference in those two gifts, right? 
when are we going to get, get past this? I don't think it's going to be when we finally get to heaven that we sit with people that we thought were our enemies and God's going to seat us right beside each other and go, see, that's your brother. That's your sister. Jesus said, I've come to bring the kingdom to earth. And when are we going to start living as a reflection of the kingdom around us? That only happens through supernatural love. That only happens when we can put aside the lies of the enemy on what he's trying to create differences in. And we stop reacting with hate and we respond with love. See, there's this, there's this thing that happens mentally in every one of us that when we get input, there's a quick decision about the output. And it's in that processing that we need the power of the Holy Spirit and we need the renewing of our mind and the transforming of our hearts so that when the enemy puts input in, the Holy Spirit filters it and says, you're not called to react to this situation and you're not gonna react in hate. You're gonna respond in love. Let me tell you something. An unbelieving, broken world, when they see this supernatural love happen, you wanna talk about hot coals, it's gonna surprise them. They go, wait, what is it with this love? We're like a conduit. Before we can give love, we have to receive it. Our heart has to be transformed. We have to, we have to know it, receive it, and undergone a transformation. And, and let, let me just tell you this. Like I said, we pray every week, and my prayer is that we enter in with every person. We connect with every person, that we celebrate with those who celebrate. We mourn with those who mourn. But I also pray this, that we love every person and we make Jesus clear. And can I tell you, I don't know what kind of week it's been. I don't know what expressions of love you receive throughout the week. But when you come in here, you are genuinely loved. Even with all your baggage and your mess and the brokenness, you are loved. This is an environment where you can feel safe. Because we want to get the supernatural love of Christ in our arms wrapped around you. I kept singing this song to myself while I was working on this message this week that love came down and rescued me and love came down and set me free and, and Jesus is love. I, I wanna close with this. It's 1 John 4 and we put it on the screen for you. It says, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love, not that we have loved God but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, to be the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. Let us be 
a people marked by love. I want you to close your eyes. I want to, I want to, I want to, I want to give you some challenges this morning. So while, while your eyes are closed and heads are bowed, I just want to want to ask you some some questions, and and only you in the depth of of your space can answer these. And let me ask you where you are with love, because I want you to think about this for a second that the God of all creation who spoke everything into existence genuinely loves you. And maybe you just need to sit and and just think, think about the weight of that, that God loves me. God loves me. And some of you in this room need love to bring salvation to you. To place you in Christ. To renew your mind and restore your heart. And to bring light and love into darkness and brokenness. Some of you need love to break you free from lies and prisons that the enemy has you bound up. Some need to repent and seek forgiveness from others. Only you know where you fall in any of those. But in this place where you are loved, love has come down to rescue you and love has come down to set you free I pray that with every ounce of strength you have in your soul to call out to love to call out in the name of Jesus for salvation for freedom for forgiveness for a renewed mind to be a person marked with love Father, we love you. And we ask you in your love to break us. We ask you to rebuild us as a people marked by genuine, sacrificial, supernatural love for you, for those in the body, and for those in the world. We may have come in this place marked by whatever the world wants to mark us with, but let us leave here filled with the Holy Spirit and marked by love. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for rescuing us. Let your salvation come today. We love you. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I say this every week, but I want to say it this way. I love you. Thank you for listening to the Creek Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us, please visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Thank you.